Welcome to the Jay Martin Show and the pursuit of personal sovereignty. Now, nobody can tell you what's going to happen next year. So the smartest thing that we can do with our minds and our money is become our own uncorrelated asset class. The best way to do that is to build a bomb-proof portfolio, and that's what we do here. Now, my guest today is the founder of goldseek.com and silverseek.com. His name is Peter Spina. Now, what we talk about is why the hot war we're witnessing in Europe and the responsive actions and economic sanctions from the United States, including the confiscation of about $600 billion in US dollar reserves from Russia, sends a message to the rest of the world that they need to rethink their risk management strategy and why that provides the most bullish case for gold that we've ever seen in our lifetime. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Obviously, I make Peter give me some stock tips, so stay tuned for those. All right, enjoy Peter Spina. All right, Peter, great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it's great to be on, Jay. It's great to reconnect with you. It's been a super long time. Um, where I want to start, I want to talk about your gold portfolio, any stocks that you love. We're definitely going to touch on that. Before we do, though, I want to bring up a tweet that you sent out recently, and you addressed the fact that the media, and I think this makes sense, is very focused on the hot war in Europe. And you pointed to maybe a more influential war that is developing, and that's the economic, monetary, um, and, and I guess fiscal policy war, right? So can you elaborate on what that statement meant and what you're focused on? Sure. Well, the war in Ukraine triggered a greater war. Um, sure, it's a very serious conflict in Ukraine. It's a horrible loss of life. Um, it's going to continue on for some time. Uh, but what happened with Ukraine, uh, the war in the Ukraine, it opened up a greater war on different fronts. So uh, the response by the West was uh, it, it anticipated by Putin, it appears, because he was prepared. And it's not something that he would have gone into uh, Ukraine without being prepared for. And it's something he's been preparing Russia for for many years, which is a greater war, an economic, financial and monetary one. And the war in uh, Ukraine was a trigger for this. Uh, the response by the West was quite aggressive. It was sanctions against Russia, including sanctioning half of the Russian central banks. Uh, reserves, uh, cutting them off from the dollar system as much as possible, and uh, you know declaring a, a war with a, an economic war also against Russia. And so you you know you, Russia is fighting back, and the war is being fought on multiple fronts. So I know on the economic front, uh, there's a lot of different sanctions against different uh, individuals, banks, institutions. And now they're talking about energy sanctions here in, in Europe, which is absolutely insane because they don't have the replacement for for the for natural gas supplies, uh, and 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 you know we're, we're we're fighting these battles on multiple fronts. So you know it, it, it's not a it's not a situation that's isolated all to the Ukraine. It's ha it's it's really a, a global one, and it's opened up a lot of different situations. You know from geopolitical uh, relationships um, to the monetary side. Uh, to how the dollar comes into play. And we're seeing that uh, from different countries, uh, how they're trading with Russia, the ones who are not willing to uh, deal with them, the ones who are who are uh, willing to pay in rubles or yuan and, and exchange uh, goods and services for that. So, you know, we're, we're at the point now uh, where you're seeing some, it's, it's like the Cold War 2.0, where you're seeing divisions between different countries 
And the West is putting a lot of pressure on different countries to come on their side. And uh, some of them will feel that pressure and others will not succumb to it. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're in a very interesting situation and, it, and its uh, effects are going to have, uh, uh, are going to be felt on, 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 in many different ways. You know, what, what strikes me is everyone's focused on how the ruble is crashing, but you could argue the real currency of Russia is oil. And every currency is crashing relative to the oil price. So you could say, you know, Russia's primary currency is becoming more valuable. They have a product that the world market wants. Sanctions or no sanctions, that product is likely going to get to market. And if not ours, if not Europe's, it'll go to other markets, right? And new alliances will build. So are these sanctioning, are these sanctions forcing the hand of potential US allies and adversaries and building new bridges? Absolutely. The first, uh, you know, we saw this in 2014 in the initial conflict in Ukraine. Um, there was an immediate, there's not as aggressive sanctions going on, but uh, immediately we saw the relationship between Russia and China come together closer. I mean, we, we pushed Russia into China's arms after that. Mm. They immediately worked on this, uh, I believe it was, a, it was a huge pipeline, which now, you know, they're diverting the supplies now in, in, into uh, Asia now, more the energy supplies, because like you said, it's it's a it's a market with a lot of demand and uh, the supplies are tight. So if the West isn't gonna buy it, Russia has alternatives and they're, they're doing, you know, they're uh, developing those relationships for many years and now they're executing more on them. And the interesting part is too is that you know with like uh, uh, with the trading partners uh, with India and, and China, you know they're they're willing to trade in, in non-dollar currencies, and whether that's a ruble or, or the Chinese yuan, uh, this, this is a big shift and a big change, especially yeah, for the threat it, it poses, say, to the petrodollar. And right. we also saw that come out of say Saudi Arabia, who's now willing to sell China oil for yuan. So there's a, there's so many things happening in, in the last several weeks. It's uh, it's happening on multiple fronts and it's, it's still changing quite actively daily. You're right, because Saudi Arabia's biggest client is China. And what are you gonna do? You're gonna take care of your biggest client every single time. I wanna ask you about something else here. You know, the US is essentially confiscated with 600 billion in, in US treasury reserves from Russia. What message does this send, Peter? I guess what I'm wondering is like, does this set, does this set precedent Right. And send a message to the world saying your U.S. reserves can be confiscated if you become a bad actor. Let us define what a bad actor is. But what's the message that it sends to, com to countries with USD reserves? Right. I mean, it, it, unless you hold the physical cash and I believe Russia had maybe 10 billion dollars in physical U.S. dollar cash, everything else is digital. So it's very easy to create sanctions, whether it's on the U.S. Treasuries or U.S. dollar reserves. They just cut them off from the system and that's it. So it sends a really strong uh, message to whether it's China or other countries that if you don't play along with the West, if you don't follow the rules and if you don't do what we tell you, we're going to cut you off. And that's a very strong signal. I, and it's one that's been, you know, not just recently, uh, you know, given um, with Venezuela, with their gold reserves, uh, they're not giving them their gold that's been uh, uh, vaulted in, in London back. They're not repeat, you know, they're not allowing them to, to have access to it. So, you know, this has not with the U.S. Treasuries. We're going to, I think, all see, see, see this with the gold reserves, seeing repatriation occur more by countries. Uh, we saw Germany do some of that. I mean, so this this leads more to various levels of nationalism and protectionism. And one of those things is looking at your risks. And if you see what happened to Russia and you're a country that uh, 
you know, you, you, you know, whether it's China or another large power, you, you, you're going to you want to start taking some other actions. And any one, one, one must uh, question what is happening right now with the treasury market. Is it rising, the rates rising because people are selling off the West because of the inflation problem that's happening? Or is there something else going on? Is there a sell-off in treasuries because uh, other foreigners uh, don't don't trust holding it, and, uh, and you know, is it possible that China is dumping some treasures right now? So we'll learn more in, in, in the future. But it, it de definitely sends a strong signal, and it's it doesn't uh, you know it doesn't it's not very inviting to investors or to foreigners uh, wanting to right. hold their capital. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I put myself in the shoes of those decision makers who need to build that moat right, of wealth reserves. And maybe US dollars has been the choice reserve asset. And it makes sense, right? If you were to, you know, spin a dial with every country on the planet on it and just put me down in a random location somewhere in the world with nothing on me except 10 grand cash, which currency would I want? I'd want US dollars, obviously, right? It's the most widely accepted. But if you compromise the stability or security of that by discretionary confiscation, and I'm not saying this wasn't warranted, but the U.S. gets to decide what's warranted. And if you look back at the previous 50, 60 years, the list of like, quote unquote, bad actors the U.S. may identify is long, right? A lot of our allies today. So yeah. if I'm one of those decision makers and I'm thinking, OK, the security of my USD is not what I thought it was. I'm going to look somewhere else. This is how I adjust my personal portfolio. I hold cash, I hold Bitcoin, and I hold a lot of gold, right? Because I want, want a diverse insurance policy. Yeah, and 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 you you how you hold it is is very important, and uh, you know it's it's uh, gold the gold confiscation in the United States in the 1930s. You know that was also uh, you know for U.S. citizens a big problem. So it's it, you know it's one of the few countries that ever banned private ownership of gold back then. So it's like how do you hold gold? How do you minimize these risks? There's a lot of things to think about. Um, I think it's smart to, to diversify your assets among different classes, but even like with precious metals, it's smart to hold it in different geographical locations, especially mm. if you're in a country which, uh, you know, I, I think we'll see more and more of capital controls and different uh, controls on, on money coming forward. Uh, so, you know, those are things that need, you have to anticipate and, and do ahead of time because when they do occur, it happens overnight. So what would this make you expect, Peter, about the trajectory of gold accumulation in sovereign states and countries? you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you see the central bank buying. It's very strong. It's been going strong for many years now. Uh, you, you do have a few central banks that are selling, but overall, the net, net uh, purchases is quite strong. You know, it's one of the primary drivers of the gold market right now is accumulating. So from the central bank side, they're diversifying their reserves into gold. Out of the, There's a de-dollarization, but from an individual basis as well. Uh, yeah, when you have inflation, uh, today's inflation number is running red hot again, um, not just in the United States, but globally is, you know, where do you, where do you put your capital and, and where do you do it now when the price of everything has gone through the roof uh, from real estate to stocks are very elevated, the bonds, you know, you know, in our lifetime, and I wrote this recently, anyone born after 1980, um, and Brian Lundin corrected it. He's like probably more after 1960 to, to, to know what happened. But in our lifetimes, we've always seen interest rates decline. 
and go down lower and lower and lower. And we never seen rates go up and we never seen rates go up with gold going higher. And that's mm. what we're seeing right now because we're seeing aggressive inflation. The saving rates are, are despicable. You know, you're, you're losing money by just holding cash. So it's really hard to know where to go right now because yeah, everything's quite overvalued. So precious metals just stick out beautifully right now. It's one of the few markets that has a very bullish setup technically. Uh, we we almost had our you know big breakout there in, in the last month. It's mm. consolidated, but uh, you know this is a longer term consolidation that's been building. Um, it's just being pushed forward a little more aggressively now because of the situation with Russia. Uh, but uh, I, I do think it's important that the key drivers that was driving gold prior to this continue to drive gold higher. And just now it's accelerating. And uh, more and more people now are going to be looking at gold as a way to diversify and to protect your savings, your wealth, um, and, and, and different risks out there. And, and the risks are growing exponentially and risks are everywhere. You know, you, you, you really, I think uh, the big dominant feature for investors is risk assessment. And that's uh, how do you deal with that going forward? Right, right. Yeah, that's been um, one of the most frequent conversations that, you know, I'm having with my guests right now, like the quote unquote, smart money, right? They're in some um, some mode of de-risking, right? They've been so for the previous 18 months, in fact. And a question I ask every guest is like, where are you allocating capital right now? That's to say, you know, where do you see value? And that's been a really tough question to answer for the last 18 months because everything has been hitting all-time highs. It's like real estate, all-time highs, Bitcoin, all-time highs, broad equities, all-time highs. The one industry that keeps on coming up and this is great, is the precious metal sector, specifically the equities, right? We had a crazy year in 2020, really cooled off in 2021. And so obviously I'm segueing into this now for you, Peter. We just talked about the macro setup, like where are you placing cash right now? So the setup for the precious metals miners are just excellent. It's been a 20 month period of just a consolidation sideways just a, a, a mentally straining period for gold investors to watch everything else go higher, including the money, money supply, which, you know, you think gold should be really responding to. Yeah. Gold, gold was kind of left behind while everyone else chased everything else. So now that has ended, where is the money going to next? Yeah. So I, I see precious metals stocks as one of the benefactors. There's other opportunities in different metals. Um, I think, you know, commodities in general have an excellent, uh, a, a bullish case here. Um, so I have some positions outside of just precious metals. I like the uh, critical metals, strategic metals um, situation as well, have some uranium, but vast majority of, of, of my investment is into gold and silver stocks uh, with a dominant um, allocation right now into the junior miners who are, are, are showing quite an undervalued uh, fundamental uh, uh, view right now. The, uh, the the you have Newmont Mining hitting uh, all time record highs, breaking out. The seniors are really starting to to show. The first ones are starting to break out. So I expect now that the other ones, the mid tiers, the juniors, are going to start to play catch up. And when they play catch up, they catch up very quickly. Um, and then after that, the exploration junior, the, the exploration stocks. I mean, those things are just sitting there waiting to start popping. And when they start to get some influx of capital, it doesn't take much to see these stocks uh, coming off of those lows from from 2020, you know, they're down 50% or more, some of them. So for them mm. to pop 50% or double just to get back to their prior highs, it doesn't take much. So mm. this is all starting to kind of 
occur again. We're starting to see the breakout. I really think we're within a, within weeks of the big breakout for the mining gold and silver stock side. Um, so the GDX, GDXJ, they're, they're, they're just coiled and they're ready to go. The gold market looks ready to go. The silver market looks even... Uh, you know, even more uh, has more pent up energy. And once that breaks $3 an ounce and runs at $50 and potentially more, the silver stocks, wow, they're really going to get going. So I have a, you know, a nice allocation among all, all of the, all all right. the precious metals. And, uh, you know, you know, Peter, what happens next? I ask you for names. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and if you have favorites, awesome. Like if no companies come to mind, no worries. But when it comes to like a mid-tier producer, gold or silver, any favorites? Sure. sure. Uh, Fortuna Silver, which is becoming more of Fortuna Gold. They've been, they weren't outperforming for quite a while until the last year, year and a half. Uh, they had some issues down in Argentina with their nice, beautiful new Lundera gold mine, but now that's really coming online nicely. They had an excellent quarter, you know, billion dollar market cap for a company that's producing over 100,000 gold ounces a quarter and, and producing uh, with a growth trajectory in the next uh, year, year and a half, just keeps expanding that. That's that's very cheap. Um, they've had some issues uh, now that have kind of battered it down. So I expect that to catch up now. So uh, yeah, Fortuna, Silver and Gold, it's probably one of my largest positions um, for the juniors. Uh, okay. The and you've been a fan of Fortuna for about as long as I've known you. Um, you know, I, very, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I've watched them grow. I've been down to their projects down in Oaxaca. I, I've seen the San Jose mine, which is an, an excellent project. Unfortunately, with the environmental permit, there's been some issues with the Mexican government. So that's kind of depressed the situation in stock price. But yeah. they, they merged with Rocks Gold, which has excellent assets in West Africa. So now that merger is over. And now those assets are coming into production. So that that's an excellent one. Another one that I, I like that is just a, a beautiful little Idaho play that I, I met in the first or second silver summit I ever went to, which was one of the first silver summits, uh, it was called New Jersey Mining. And they, they've been at your mm. conference. Uh, yeah. So I've, I met them at the silver summit um, in the first ones. And John Swallow was with a different company back then. But he eventually went over into New, New Jersey Mining. And that uh, started, they're, they're a junior miner in Idaho with critical metals, with two of the uh, key strategic uh, rare earth metal projects in the United States. Um, they just went on the NYSE Amex a couple weeks ago, has about 11 million shares outstanding. So that's a company that I've seen, um, I bought several years ago and it's gone up maybe 15 times in value. And it's one of the few ones that I am not taking a profit on, but I'm actually buying more. I've been buying a lot more because they have uh, added some key, um, key projects to the company. They've been expanding their gold production and it's just been a slow, steady Excellent uh, growth story there uh, from a junior perspective, and it really shows when, when uh, you know when, about shareholder value, how to create shareholder value. So when you get the right managers involved, boy, you can really do well with some of these stocks. So yeah, mm -hmm. I I, uh, I I love juniors. I love the exploration side. I think the exploration sector is just ready to get a huge influx of investment. It's going to explode with all sorts of uh, uh, work being done. And that's, that's, that's really going to drive things once you get more uh, discoveries and the excitement grows. But yeah, gold's, gold's going to get things moving here. I want to ask for a couple expiration stocks if you want to talk about it. First though, um, are you paying any attention to Eris Gold or Pure Gold? Two companies, I'm curious if you uh, have an opinion on it. I, I, I did meet with Pure Gold about a year ago. It was a great story. Ours, I, I have not, unfortunately. Okay. No worries. No worries. I know Pure Gold is going through some uh, restructuring in-house right now. Curious if you had any opinions on that, but um, I'm having 
them on the show soon here to get into it. Um, okay, Exploration, any stories that are getting you excited right now? So Exploration, again, another company I met at Cambridge House in 2016, I think, 16 or 17, which was Abra Silver. Yeah. They have an excellent project in Argentina. Uh, so I've been an investor with those guys since then, and I've been adding in the last year. So uh, I and they just had their uh, their new uh, phase two drilling program. They had their best discovery hole, excellent hit there. They're adding a lot more gold to it. That's an excellent project, and they have another excellent project to work on. So that one has been my largest one. I have uh, I've added to that one as well. Um, and, uh, there's a bunch of other junior exploration, uh, companies, some real early stage ones like black mammoth that I've been accumulating micro, micro real size yeah, ones that are really longer term. You mentioned black mammoth to me before. So talk to me a little bit about what you see in this company. So that's another company I met at your conference some years ago. They, uh, they started up in 2017, uh, about 16 or 17. And the market was, you know, there was a period of excitement in 2016 in the gold market, and they raised some capital for this Idaho project. But unfortunately, uh, the market went south and exploration didn't get exciting. The market could care less about what you were producing. So it didn't make sense for the company to do much at that time. So, you know, it commendedly, the, uh, the CEO, uh, Dustin Henderson, uh, put the company back on hiatus and, uh, he really cut down the expenses and he was able to maintain the share structure. It's still around 11 million shares. They did a little financing now, but now they're going to be pushing that project forward. So they have a nice high grade out of uh, Idaho Gold Project and mm -hmm. a, a Nevada one um, that they'll be drilling here soon as well. So, you know, these some of these companies that are still in few million dollar market caps, some of them are five, $10 million market caps with yeah. some nice uh, projects either go drill on and some with some research or resources already on it and this is it's ridiculous i mean you, you you see what's happening in in like crypto with these altcoins where you get projects with 50 100 200 500 million market caps and they don't even have any cash or business plan or anything <laughs> you know and you just see our sector sitting on things that are real and things that are needed and, and these different metals that uh, are essential. And uh, I really think, you know, the commodity side, precious metals and commodities are going through a huge super cycle. So I love it. You can't be wrong in investing in it. it it's severely un undercapitalized sector. So the sooner you get in before the big money really starts rushing in, the, the better the opportunities. Well, right before we hit record, I love what you said. We were talking about my conference coming up May 17th and 18th in Vancouver, the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, which you have so generously mentioned so many times, Peter, where you met Abra Black Mammoth in New Jersey. Thank you for that. Uh, I truly wish you could be there. You're in Prague. I know the flights uh, that travel won't work this year. We'll get you there next year for sure. Um, but uh, we were chatting before we hit record and you're like, this conference is positioned maybe better than it's ever been because the precious metals markets should be ripping by then. <laughs> Yes, I, I think yes. so. I mean, the gold <laughs> price is just, I think, within three, four, five, six weeks of, weeks of a big breakout. The, the mining stocks are just sitting there. This this conference, boy, if gold breaks out, it's going to be absolutely wild. I am going to be super jealous. I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll have to call in or something, but it's, it is an excellent conference. And as an investor, there's no better way to, to, to find investments than meeting the companies in person. And you know when it comes to investing, especially in a junior mining company, when you have uh, you know that, very few people involved, you have to meet the management. It's it's such a great opportunity. 
Uh, and you can learn so much about the companies and the projects. So I, you know, I, I've been going to the Cambridge house show since nearly year 2000. And mm -hmm. if it wasn't for this uh, COVID situation. I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, skip one, uh, any other, but uh, hopefully yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get there next year when goals, 2,500, 3,000. And uh, I love that. I love that. I love that, Peter. I, I appreciate that, man. So where should I send people on Twitter? You're at gold seek. Um, sure. Tell everybody where to find you. And, sure. Um, uh, I post some stuff on Twitter there on at GoldSeek and uh, GoldSeek.com, SilverSeek.com. You can find some of the latest uh, 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 gold and silver precious metals and precious metals information. All right. Look, Peter, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Jay. Have a great conference and I uh, look forward to the, the next one. Uh, if you find any gems, let me know and I'll I'll uh, look forward to the uh, pure mining gold interview. So get an update from, from me on that side. Love it. All right, man. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor, follow or subscribe to this podcast, drop me a rating and a review and share this with a friend. All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.